Hello and welcome to Rodcast with me, Lee Durrant. Um, this is the podcast where we, we learn how Salesforce experts started their careers many years ago and, and get under the skin of what it's like to work in the Salesforce ecosystem. Um, you know, ever wondered how someone rose to the ranks of a head of practice at, at a consultancy or perhaps became a CTO, then, then this is the podcast to listen to. Um, we'll also get some, some real life tips from them and advice on, on what you can do in your Salesforce career. So, um, yeah, hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to the uh, latest edition of Rodcast. Uh, in, in this episode, I uh, am having a chat with Richard Ferryman, uh, uh, an industry legend who's been around Salesforce for about 12 years uh, as of today's recording. Uh, and um, he it's quite an interesting one for you guys if any of you are thinking of starting a business in the Salesforce ecosystem. Uh, Richard started his own uh, Salesforce consultancy company many years ago. Um, so he talks quite openly about uh, what it's like to build a Salesforce consultancy from scratch, the um, the ups and downs, and the um, you know quite honest about the mistakes that he he made, uh, and if he could do it again, what he would do. Um, you know the eighteen hour days, the, the what it's like to, to to interview people in the Salesforce ecosystem, which um, you know there's always opportunities out there for those guys. So this is what it's what it's like really to 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 start and grow a Salesforce practice. Um, and also, he talks about his uh, his passion for um, what he's doing at the moment. So it's really good, uh, really good chat. Hope you enjoy it. So, hello, Richard, and th- thanks for um, thanks for joining us, mate, today on the podcast. H- how are you getting on? Yeah, very well, thank you. And you? I am all right. Yeah, looking forward to this one because we, you and I go back a long way. I, I don't know how long, but it's got to be more than ten years, isn't it? I think, I think we're about twelve years or so now. Oh my God, blimey! And I think. <laughs> I think people that listen to this will be quite like your journey because you've done quite a lot of, correct if I'm wrong, obviously, different things in the world of Salesforce. Um, mm-hmm. So that's what this is about, really. It's, a, it's a, just a bit of a chat about your journey from, you know, how you got into it, what, what you've done to, 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 to be where you are now. So, um, yeah, I'll fire some questions at you then. So the, the first one would really be, what actually, what were you doing before well, what was your career plan up until the point where you got into Salesforce, if you know what I mean? Was, was, did, did you get into Salesforce by accident and the, the, the sort of journey before Salesforce, if you don't mind? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I started out in, um, in Visio um, before it was a Microsoft product. So worked for Visio. Um, from Visio, we then took that through to, um, to it being bought out by Microsoft. I was uh, part of that transition team. Um, when I was Seattle working uh, with the Microsoft team there um, and then came back and promptly went and worked for IBM Software Group. Ah, yes. Um, okay. so Microsoft wasn't at that point uh, where I wanted to go. Uh, but I liked the ethos of IBM. I liked uh, the branding of IBM. And even now, um, I still can't go to a meeting without a blue suit and a white shirt which was very much an IBM way of doing things. Um, <laughs> they taught me a lot, taught me a lot about process, a lot about sales, a lot about how, how um, somebody like me can get the most out of, out of a meeting um, and a really enjoyable part of my career. Um, I then fell out, um, was offered something even better and the grass is greener and took that, but actually... Um, you know, I started, I jumped uh, a few times uh, through different uh, emerging technologies, which was okay and it was good. And the emergence of cloud back then, 
the emergence of very early AI, um, the emergence of uh, big data was all coming in. Um, how were people starting to use that? I worked for a company which had an overlay to the old green screens, um, and mm. that was very much about, uh, actually putting a web front end on things. So this really is going back some time. Yeah. Wow. And and you're, it was always from the, the actual roles you were doing were, were very much sales, business development, that sort of stuff, were they? Sales, business development, absolutely. Um, but I knew that I, I enjoyed the, the pre-sales, the BA work as much as I did the sales work. Um, and so I was starting to, to look at what was next. Um, I started to work for a, a, a process company um, back in my hometown, funnily enough. And um, that was going incredibly well. And then the backside dropped out of the financial markets and we hit the crash. Um, oh, right. So we're up to 2008 now, clearly. We? 2008. Yeah. And I think uh, a lot of people at that, pro- at that point saw their pipelines disintegrate. Um, mm. the, nobody really knew what was going on and what to do. And unfortunately, that ended with um, having to leave um, the role that I was being incredibly successful at. Um, had turned a lot of money for them in that year. Unfortunately, uh, with the crash uh, in the type of markets, aerospace, aviation, etc., um, it really did hurt that that business. Thankfully, they're still going and now going going very strong. So, so that was uh, sorry to jump in. Is that is that when you got first into Salesforce? Then around about two thousand and eight. Yeah. So I then went and worked for a small managed IT company in um, Old Street in London. Um, completely different to anything I'd done before. Um, I started to help to run that business and um, the owner um, went and, and went out and uh, moved to Australia. Um, so uh, really left the UK business um, to, to function well. It was doing okay. The crash was there. Um, it was centered around charities. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so very, very different as to... Um, to what we were doing, uh, we started to look out there as far as what what was on the market. Um, and the owner of, of that business made an introduction for me to the Salesforce um, Foundation, mm. which was the charity piece. And I believe that's probably where we had our first conversations, um, making our first hire. Um, yeah, you're probably right. I'm trying to think back that far, but yeah, that that so so basically, you were introduced to them because because Salesforce was a, an up and coming thing. Was that is that why? Yeah, so yeah. we there was a lot of on prem. There was a lot of databases. A lot of you know people trying to do fundraising or trying to mm. do um, you know people management, mailing lists, etc. Um, and we saw Salesforce as as a tool that they could use. Um, I started to have meetings around the Salesforce ecosystem, started to look for potential uh, opportunities. So it was very much feeling the market. There are only a couple of people in the Salesforce Foundation at that time. Salesforce, you know, 12 years ago was still relatively new to the UK market. Yeah. Uh, so started to, to get out there. It was very much about, you know, finding opportunities, working directly with the Salesforce guys. It was a lot of fun, actually. Um, and there were a couple of people in particular that, you know, really did um, work well with and started to build that that business. I think by the end of the first year, we looked at somewhere around 800K. 
of revenue. Mm. Um, and with that, I decided that I would try and try and do it myself and, and my business was created. Yeah. So that's um, just, so just to pause on that a minute. So you're looking at your LinkedIn at the moment and I'm sure people look at that. You've had a whole, so you had a whole career really before Salesforce really, didn't you? Oh, absolutely. you think, yeah. Cause um, that, that's, and so it's obviously led you to that point, which is great. And then um, what you did there was the, f- that was the first partner in the UK to, to focus on the charity sector, which sounds you know, mental now when you, when you look at how many companies are out there doing it. But um, um, that then led you, as you say, to then deciding to do it on your own, which I know a lot of people who listen to this will probably have that. Well, either, either they have it now or they might have it in the future. Um, what, what, <laughs> Don't do it. Yeah. Well, uh, we know. It's, you know, way back then it was, you know, um, when I, you know, and it was the foresight of, of the guy that I was working for before to, to see Salesforce, see that it had, you know, there was an opportunity, there was there was existing systems out there, Razor's Edge and things like this from Blackboard that, you know, were, were I suppose, struggling a little bit within that marketplace. Um, it was very much on premise. But then, you know, we were also up against the, the, the UK CIO, uh, government CIOs, saying that cloud was never going to take off. Oh, yeah. You know, there was everybody saying that cloud was a waste of time and what the hell were you doing looking at cloud, just, you know, on-premise, on-premise, on-premise. I remember that, yeah. I saw, yeah. Just the most expensive way of doing IT there is. Yeah. Um, even now, we still come across, you know, uh, some people that that will only only work from a uh, only work using on premise. They still don't trust cloud, which is madness because your entire world is based on the cloud. Uh, you walk down the street, and you know your your data is being collected by the cloud. Um, so it was very much a a a big decision for for me uh, for my family to actually go all in um, and decide that we would we would do that. Um, I think the first deal I did was with um, Battersea. Oh, wow. Um, good one to go straight in with, isn't it? In, a good one to I, go straight into. And they, they, were, they were lovely. Um, did, can I ask very quickly, did you, did you start your company on your own? Did you do it with anybody else? Uh, did you get funding? You know, all that sort of stuff. Because it's not easy just to go, do you know what, I'm going to quit this job um, when no doubt you're being paid very well and start a company. You, you know, you've got to have – you, there's a there's a long period i'm guessing of not earning any money there's there's a very long period there's a very long period of risk and i seem to the last the last 12 years have been completely about risk mm. and the degrees of risk that you're willing to take um to my detriment i suppose i I've, I've i've always been i've always taken the risks and you know that's that was good at times and terrible at others <laughs> um you know, you have to you have to have the mindset that you are prepared to lose everything. You have to be the gambler. Yeah. Um, and when you're gambling with your family and your house and everything else, you, you have to be very careful of that. Um, I think, you know, 12 years ago to start your own business, to be the entrepreneur wasn't commonplace in any way, shape or form. Um, I think it is now. I think every man and his dog wants to start a business and, and sees that as, as a way to do it. Yeah, um, and it was it was um, it was a it was scary times, and I think you know you have to be the salesman, you have to be the accountant, you have to be the finance guy, you have to be the recruiter, you have to be you know every single hat, and you have to play them every single day. Yep. Um, 
but the you know the the fact that linkedin's there the fact that you can reach out to people you have to have the confidence to do that you have to literally go to the opening of a crisp packet if you feel that you might get your name out there i used to turn up everywhere with my t-shirt on you know the corporate t-shirt and everything else but if they knew that it was me in my back bedroom you know would they have really had those conversations with me yeah there's some amazing people in the ecosystem that spent a lot of time um, that would sit, just meet for coffee, just go and have a beer, just go and um, you know have a chat. You were certainly one of those. You know, how could you help? What could you do? You were there. Um, you and Teresa to say, okay, well, you know, if we're going to do this, let's be partners in in a way of you know finding you the right people and making it uh, easy for you to to take those people on. And and that relationship's now you know been ten years or so. Yeah, but, and, and um, what, what was the – so you, you mentioned about Battersea, so we'll come back to that. And so how did you get them as a client then? What, what, how, how did that come about? So funny enough, there was um, – I, I was working at the time uh, with a couple of people from, um, from another consultancy, a much larger consultancy. Mm. And uh, we went into it uh, together. I fronted it, but I had them as the backup. Okay. Uh, uh, so, you know, it's it was – it was again meetings, conversations, people. You know, I think we were when I first started. I was one of seventy partners um, in the UK. I think there's now a couple of thousand. Is that um, Are you including like ISVs in that? Because that sounds like quite a big. There was, I was there say, was seventy sounds like a lot, but um, yeah, seventy of us in the ecosystem at that time in the UK. Cool. Um, you know, I was, I was focused again on on the nonprofits, and you know. There was um, a couple more, there was a couple of new partners coming in. Um, you know, there was enough business to go around. We had a very competitive attitude. As yeah. You yeah, I know. Everybody else, but there we go. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was good and it was fun. And, you know, the first couple of years, you know, recruiting is hard. Finding the right people is hard. Um, maximizing that skill base, you know, having people to believe in somebody who is literally running this either out of his bedroom or you know slowly but surely out of a an office at the top of a of iron steps which funnily enough yesterday got completely knocked down and annihilated for new buildings really bad thing yeah oh yeah. yeah i've been there a few times That's a shame. it was uh it is hard you know service the service industry is difficult and people talk about well i'll get into it and then somebody will invest in me it just doesn't happen yeah you know i i went round a hundred plus investors pitching a services business and they just weren't interested. You know, it's, it, it has to be about, you know, thinking about products, thinking about a problem that you want to solve, thinking about, you know, looking at the marketplace that you're working in and finding the unique aspects to that. But the problem again with that, certainly on a services industry, it's like the plumber with a leaking tap in his house until the day he retires. <laughs> it's the fact that actually, you know, you want to build that stuff internally, but you've got to take your guys off of that project to put them on an internal project. And, you know, by the time you, you get through that, actually, um, it's a really difficult thing to balance. Um, and that's why I think there are so many, so many partners out there, but they're very purely services and they're going from project to project to project. Um, you know, and in some cases doing an absolutely brilliant job, in other cases, not so great. Um, I think as well, Salesforce isn't just put Salesforce in and 
get the features and the benefits out, you've got to understand business if you're selling to a business, if you're trying to transform a business on Salesforce. Um, you know, I would say to anybody who's looking to, to, to do a Salesforce project, and I say it all the time, is the people that are coming in to do your discovery, make sure they're challenging you. You know, and I think that is where, you know, you survive. You have to adapt. And we found that very quickly through time that, you know, we couldn't just be technical and put Salesforce in. Mm. We had to be a business helping to transform other businesses. And uh, I think, you know, that's how we did rather well for a long time. And in that space as well, there must have been some really good projects that where, you know, because you're working with places like Battersea, where you you feel like the project has really helped in in some way um, do something good, as opposed to just another CRM system for a sales company, do, do, or you know, or a sales department. Do you know what I mean? So, were, yeah, were there any? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree with that to a certain extent. I think yes, if you're working in a a nonprofit um, type environment, um, you know. Uh, You've, you've got to be careful. They've got very limited budgets, um, but I think everybody does. Um, you know, yeah, you, you can make a difference. Um, it's not the easiest sector to work in, hmm. um, but at the same time, yes, you do get a lot back from it. Um, and, you know, I, I spent a lot of time over in uh, Kenya um, at St. Martin's School, which is a big project that Salesforce have been party to for for a long, long time, um, but going out and you know teaching Salesforce and investing the time and energy into um, into that school has been has been life changing, quite honestly. Brilliant. Uh, but I think it's at the same time though that you have to whatever market you're in, whether it be finance, whether it be China, aviation, whether it be charity. At the end of the day it can't always be about, well, they're a charity, so we'll do it for this or we'll do it for that. It's got to be about their outcomes and making sure that they get the right solution. Yeah. Uh, and I think sometimes, you know, and through the last 10 years or so, the, the charity to business has clouded. Um, you know, uh, I think you've got, to, you've got to just set forth and look for the outcomes on a Salesforce project and make sure that you meet those outcomes whoever you're working for so so that um the kenyan school you just referenced was is that one of the your most would that, would that be your most proud project which is one of my questions for later but we can talk about it now um it wasn't really a project that was more volunteering i think oh, you know right. if you're looking at um i don't know proud projects um it'll probably be battersea um you know there was a lot went on in there a huge amount if uh you know uh, across the board now with you know if you go in and uh, you're looking for uh, a, a dog um, yeah. all of that through salesforce right down to um you know blood tests for the animals and everything else is taken down the salesforce and you guys um, you, you guys put that in did you you've done that for them yeah cool so so i think it, obviously over over the last few years you know i haven't been party to it but it's it's obviously evolved and and everything else so um you know they uh there, there were some very very good projects uh, there were some not so good projects and ones that were very difficult and and everything else but um i think that's the same in any any business um and i think you know uh, as it as it came through and and you know it was it, that business closed it was time to move on 
Yeah. That's okay. So before we go into that bit, um, so something just popped into my head. Did you, at one Salesforce World Tour, do I seem to remember you being part of um, Guide Dogs for the Blind and um, that project or that, that initiative where they were walk, walking around, the dogs were there, weren't they? Do you remember that? Yeah, I think that was, that was after my time, but it was certainly, uh, certainly we did, we did some work for, for guide dogs and puppy management and, uh, and everything else. So yeah, there was, there was some good, good ones in there. Puppy management on Salesforce. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Everything from conception right the way through to the dogs actually being given to their new owners. Um, Obviously the, the dogs have to be a very particular temperament. And so guide dogs breed. Uh, breed their dogs um so um you know certainly there at the start of that that project um uh, and uh, it was it was all about actually you know the process of of going through the conception between the dog and the bitch and making sure that there's um a puppy at the end of it oh, um, so, yeah i think there was an interesting project but actually um i think that was finished off by by the old company um that uh, that I had started way back when. Oh, okay. Um, so, so before we go beyond the company that you owned, I, I'm a question that I don't ask many people to do this because it's usually about your career and everything. But I'd be quite interested to know how difficult you found it to find good talent uh, in the Salesforce space, even though we're talking about um, well, 2011. I'm looking at LinkedIn again. 2011 to 2017, you you were the MD of, of that company. Um, how difficult is it? Because you also mentioned earlier on a little saying you said earlier on about the grass always seems greener, which in the Salesforce space is definitely um, a thing, isn't it? Because you've got you know, the likes of me and everyone else now. Just if you've got Salesforce experience, people are just all over you, aren't they? Um, so it must be difficult to, to find them. And I'm not necessarily talking about your experience with recruiters. I, mean, I just mean genuine, gen, genuinely, just generally, sorry, trying to find good people that can do the job that are interested in working at a consultancy and, and want, you know, uh, want, want to work with you and do a good job. What was that like? How, I, I kind of know the answer to this, but I'm just interested to get your opinion mm. on how that was. I think Salesforce, if you think about Salesforce all that time ago, there, there was a very limited pool of people um, who knew Salesforce. So it was, uh, you know, in some cases, the fact of um, bringing people, from a normally a, a Java background would would fit Apex rather well. We were quite heavy into coding back then, um, where now coding is a lot more limited. I think it's a, it's certainly a lot more about configuration. Now. Yeah. Um, but um, I think finding and more so retaining the talent is 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 hard work. Is difficult keeping those people motivated. They're getting a phone call from people like you every single day, even every single hour of the day. Yeah. Um, you know, I've got this great new opportunity. I've got a great new opportunity, which actually um, it's a shame because it's, it's hard for them. The minute you put Salesforce on, on LinkedIn, it's, it's an open door, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it, it, it actually takes, it's very hard work, certainly for a good candidate, because they're being hit every three seconds. You know, that's my negative about recruitment. Yeah. Um, and you know, when you're when you're managing that, you're trying to manage, you know, the sneakiness of recruiters, um, you know, um, who are who are constantly doing it. But everybody's got a job to do, and you know, it's why 
I think from day one, I stuck with you guys because I felt that you had a different a different way of working in that way. It was about relationships. It was about knowing people in the industry. It was about, it was about that. Um, I think to actually get that talent, you know, it evolves continuously as, as it moves away from, you know, a lot of code into a small implementation, a lot more configuration. We're back now to business analysis. We're back to understanding what a business problem is back to understanding how to solve that business problem from a technical perspective. But Salesforce isn't technology to me. Salesforce is transformational change. Mm. You know, coming away from doing things in a very manual or, you know, protracted way, and you're using Salesforce to actually align your process. Before you can put it in, what, what is your process? What do you do? How do you do it? And to find people who can challenge that in a, in a business environment to find people who can um, challenge a CEO of a 40, 50, 60 million pound company and say, well, why do you do it like that? Yeah. Um, hard. And, you know, there's, there's very particular people that can do that. And, you know, when you find them, you hang on to them for all you've got. So uh, I, th- I think I remember having a conversation with you a couple of years ago about, you know, that you almost had to get to a point where you, you t- accepted that, you, your lifespan of an employee was maybe, if you were lucky, eighteen months, two years, because of what we just, you know, what you just mentioned. Do you remember that conversation? I, I, yeah, there's a different approach as well that you know, um, and I'm certainly seeing it in you know um, people who you know uh, are doing what I did ten years ago that are doing it now, mm. um, you know, or or looking for a role. There is, I suppose we've got a market that's incredibly saturated. Um, we've got Salesforce growing at a ridiculous rate. We've got, um, you know, trying to find those, those great people out there. Normally they've set up the, a, a business themselves. They're trying to, trying to do the entrepreneurial thing. Um, that lifespan is, yeah, it is difficult and certainly dependent on your location. Do you have a, you know, do you do, um, you know, how, what's your working policies? Can you work from home? Um, you know, do you have a ping pong table? Is mm-hmm. there a bar attached to it? You know, all of these things work is so much more social now. And I think for the smaller businesses that can't compete with, you know, the, a different style of, of working. Um, and, and that's always going to be difficult for the one, two, three man bands, because actually you're paying people the same as somebody who's saying, well, come and work for me. And, you know, it's the Google-esque environment. Come and, come and have some fun. Um, you know, so I think I've heard of just in the last few weeks, I've heard of five or six partners, um, that have ceased trading just simply because they can't find people or the right, um, which is a shame, but I think the problem again with the Salesforce industry is that everybody is trying to do it. So, you know, every developer is thinking, well, I'll, I'll go and set up my own business and, and make more money doing it. The problem is we're now at a saturated place. Um, and I think that will consolidate as a market. Um, you know, it did, it consolidated about five years ago with tequila um, and, and Blue Wolf and some of the others. Mm. Um, I think that round of consolidation is going to have to happen again at some point um, just to just to reduce the number of partners that are set out there for Salesforce. I think Salesforce themselves as well are becoming a lot more um, 
a lot more brutal. Yeah, <laughs> <Can> <laughs> they get, they get more brutal. Yeah, okay. You know, they've got it. They've got to. You know, they're doing the right thing. You know, you need the certs. You know, we're dealing with a particular partner manager at the moment who is excellent, but he's driving us very, very hard to make sure that you know we're doing all the things that we need to do to make sure that there is customer success and. Um, I like that. I like the fact that it's doing that. And they've also, Salesforce are also changing, being a lot more conciliatory with partners and wanting to work with the right partners. But you've also got to know how to work with Salesforce. And, and I think that takes, it's certainly taken me 12 years to work out how to do that. Yeah. And, and, and um, as you mentioned, you know, that, that owning your own company was, was a, I'm guessing, a, a great uh, experience and journey but where you're at now is sort of different isn't it you, you've you've decided to uh, almost go back out and just do what you love you know on your not on your own I appreciate you're working somewhere now so what what was the thought process there was it like you know what I just want to go and and just just to take the stress away and just let someone else worry about all that for a bit and you know help yeah like like for, for many different reasons um, I closed my business um, uh, you know some very personal mm. um, Others were, were, you know, the marketplace, I think some inexperience. I think, you know, it's very, very hard to run, to manage and to make a business profitable. Um, I think, um, you know, the many, many sleepless nights and pacing at three o'clock in the morning as, as anybody doing it will, will testify to. Yeah. Um, so, you know, because of certain aspects, um, of my child's health, um, I decided to, to, to not do 18 hours again, every single day, seven days a week. Um, and you know, and that's what it is. And for anybody wanting to start a business, get used to it. That's yeah. what it is. There is no other way of doing it. It's funny, um, isn't it as well? Do you know, it's, I'm talking from my experience a little bit. It's hard to to stop doing it. Did you not think? I know, I know you had a very good reason, but um, do you find it now quite difficult to kind of switch off after no. eight hours um, and no. watch watch a bit of telly? <laughs> it, yeah, it's. Uh, it's <laughs> I, 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 but I but I I work now because I enjoy doing it. If I'm yeah. going to work, or I'm going to do a Sunday night, or you know, last weekend I worked all weekend because actually, what I'm doing right now is exciting, and what I'm doing right now with vrp is is something i feel quite different um to what i've been able to do before um and actually focus on some of the ideas i had through the years i'm being given the 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 challenge to go and to go and put them into action oh um, that's good to know because you are um, people won't know this people that don't know you won't know that you are an ideas machine aren't you <laughs> well hopefully you know i think i think what what we're trying to do um is is not something that hasn't been done before but i want to do it you know and, and certainly watch this space for for that working very closely with salesforce um uh you know our my leadership team um you know they're, they're giving me the the breadth and depth to be able to go and do it and uh you know that that makes you want to work you know it's it's not it's not a stressful eighteen hours. It's it's a fun eighteen hours. Um, but yeah, I can still switch off when I need to and, and go and be with one of the four kids and, and go and enjoy and, and do whatever. Um, you know, even have a holiday. My goodness me. I uh, yeah. Well, that's um, <laughs> good for you. Well, that is you know that's another thing I think that some people 
you know, they look at the, the, the success of companies and assume it's just going to be easy, but you're absolutely right. It's, it's hard work. You, you can't yeah, necessarily go on holiday. We could do an entire podcast on what we probably could. Oh, well, yeah. And I don't want to scare people off but, because, you but know, you what, want that. What not to do as far as your business. But, you know, if, you know, I think, I think that, that there is, there's a, there's a big fallacy out there about I can start a business, Salesforce will buy me and I'll make millions. It just doesn't happen. Uh, it just isn't like that. Uh, unless, unless, I, well, I was going to say, unless, you know, you mentioned about developers and maybe if they come up with some app that's not yet been done, but I mean, we're getting to the point now, we're, just, we're surely running out of ideas, aren't we? everything's um, I, I don't think we'll ever run out of ideas i think um i think the salesforce platform is 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 can still be adapted to to many different things you know there's um there's um you know many 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 different apps that that still could be created on the salesforce platform you know it's expanding its reach across businesses it's not crm it is a platform you know we've got commerce now marketing sales service um, you know, the whole plethora of business front-end tools and now back-end tools that Salesforce can well well and truly handle. Um, but as we as we grow forward, you know, we're getting very excited at the moment about AI, about voice AI um, within Salesforce, you know, standing in a shop and being able to tell, you know, tell Alexa to, um, you know, order next week's consignment or whatever and behind that salesforce doing all of that work in an automated fashion just by voice um we really are starting to look at some really exciting things on the platform um so you know there are then a thousand more apps that could be fitted around that but you've got to get there first you've got to have the ability to be able to do it and you've got to get it released and out on the salesforce platform very quickly um, but if you do it well, you know, there's some huge, uh, huge dividends to be paid if, if you get it right. But, you know, you might be one in a thousand that get it right. Yeah, yeah. Which, what's your, you'll be a good guy to ask this, actually. What's your take on the, the Alibaba uh, uh, acquisition recently? Do, do you know much about that? Is it something to be excited about? I, I don't know. Oh, um, okay. I, I haven't seen that. <laughs> I, I'll have to look at that and uh, make sure they're right. But um, it, yeah, it was announced a few days ago, I think. So I, I haven't even had a chance to really look at it. But uh, I, I was going to ask you what you're excited about. But I think you probably covered that, to be fair. Do, do you, uh, thinking about it from the point of view, again, of, of people that might be listening to this that are, you know, looking for, for work or at some point they're going to be, you know, interviewing and stuff like that. What, what was your interview style like when you, when you had people come and see you? Um, what was that like for you? Was, was, it, was it all about? how hands-on they were or what they came across. And I know what you just said about being able to push back is probably very, very much the personality, but how did you do that? And, and so that people that are listening can perhaps see it from the point of view of the interviewer. Um, I think interviews are, are um, interviews need to be a showcase. Interviews need to be a very two way business meeting. Um, Gone are the days of sitting there with a panel of five people quizzing you until you fall into a pool of sweat and give up. It's, you know, people don't or shouldn't uh, work in that way around interviews. Um, I knew within minutes if I was going to hire somebody or not hire somebody on meeting them. Um, I think there's still the fact that you come prepared. You research the business that you're coming to. Mm. Um, I used to do a lot of um, 
of lectures come workshops at Hackney College. Um, and I used to call them shiny shoes. If nothing else, walk in with a pair of shiny shoes. Because actually, <clears throat> it says that you're prepared for that interview, that you respect the fact that you're walking into somebody's business, um, that you've done your research, that you have questions, that go in with a pad, with a pen and pad, and actually you're writing questions, you're, you're treating it as a meeting, you're challenging what they're doing. Um, don't just go and answer questions and then at the end walk out again. It doesn't matter if you're going for a tech job, a sales job or whatever. Sit there in front of that interviewer. You are interviewing them for you as much as they are interviewing uh, for them. And yeah. if you get that right, it's the perfect interview. Um, you know, I've had interviews of people who've turned up in jeans and T-shirt and just said, well, you know, do you want, do you want me to start tomorrow? <laughs> you know, there was a, a, there was a very short silence and, and the door closed. I can, uh, yeah, um, and based on what you told us right at the beginning, your background, I, I can understand that you want, you're still going to want people in a suit and tie, but yet some companies, believe it or not, I, I've genuinely had a company tell me this, if, if someone turns up for interview wearing a suit and tie, then they won't get the job because they don't understand our culture. They wanted them to turn up in ripped jeans and, you know, and, and so, but, or whatever. So, so that, that may be, that may be a newfangled way of doing things. I, mm. I still think that, you know, if you're going to go for a serious job and a serious business, um, that, you know, you don't get ties or a thing of the past. Absolutely. But, yeah. but you want to be smart. You know, you, you want to be prepared for an interview. Um, if you're walking in flip flops and somebody takes you on, you know, fair enough, you know, well done. But are you actually going for a serious job or are they going to stick you in the pool with everybody else? Um, you know, you have to shine. Your career in that company starts on day one and that's the interview. You know, um, to, to my detriment, I think in some cases I wanted to push people. I wanted to um, give them as many opportunities to, to, to go up in their career. There were some that just didn't want to do that. They were really happy just doing the job that they've come for. That's all they wanted to do. They wanted nothing else other than that. Um, and they just wanted to do that job. Others wanted to, to climb a ladder and, and to learn and to do other things, which is, which is fantastic. Um, but, you know, I, I still will always believe that it doesn't matter who you are, what your background, et cetera, um, you know, university degrees don't I, I'm, I'm not interested in all of that but what I'm interested in is if somebody came in to ask for a job and they look smart and they had their questions they had done their research they came with some optimism and some enthusiasm then they were 99% there <laughs> Brilliant. if they walk in looking at the ground and you know it's well you know whatever I, you know that is going to be their attitude in your company and the best companies survive because their employees are committed and want to work. Yeah, brilliant tip. Flip-floppers all want to go together. Flip-floppers, yeah. Well, yes, it's a great tip. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's common sense, isn't it, really? But um, you'd be surprised the amount of people that, that, that still do go to interviews and have the assumption of, well, you know what, I'm a Salesforce expert. I've got, I've got, I've got five other interviews going on, so, well, you know, do your best. But, you know, and that's great, but, you know, there are always – you know, that's, I think there is a point, and I think we're already starting to see it, um, that, you know, you, it's not that easy anymore. People are a lot more choosy when it comes to who they're going to get to work for them. 
Um, you know, and I think, again, you know, it's, it's predicated by lots of people setting up, you know, their businesses and everything else. And then, I, I, I don't know, I think, I think at some point it will come to an end, but, you know, um, we'll have to see. Cool. I'm, I can't believe it's 45 minutes already. Um, so I appreciate it. I've got to let you go. Um, I, I normally ask what people are excited about. And you mentioned you're loving what you're doing at the moment with VRP. So um, if, if you want to wrap it up with a very quick kind of what you're doing and, uh, and uh, why you're excited by it, which I think you've really touched on, to be fair. Then, yeah, well, I, th- I think, I think I, I'm, you know, we, we've, got, we've got 300 plus, um, you know, Salesforce uh, configurators, coders, etc., cetera, um, in our uh, Belarus and, and Poland offices. Um, these are people who have worked on everything from Facebook to Coca-Cola to LinkedIn to Rolls-Royce. You know, they are, they are awesome. Um, and I think what I'm enjoying is bringing that awesomeness out um, as far as, you know, they've been almost, you know, there is this fallacy about, well, if they're offshore and they're in an Eastern Eastern European country, then, you know, they're not going to be as good as, as somebody in the UK, which I just think is an absolute load of conflict. You know, the only difference is there can be a slight language barrier, but, you know, if they speak Russian as their native tongue and, you know, 99.9% of my colleagues speak English, sometimes better than I do, <laughs> Um you know they are they are it's an incredible um hub of of talent and enthusiasm and um so we're looking at you know certainly exploiting that and there's a lot of our our customers in the UK doing that we are working very closely with salesforce to make sure that we're doing uh, repeatable quick starts getting people on multiple different um on multiple different clouds um, expanding what people are already doing. It really is a, um, an exciting time for VRP. Um, and, you know, the leadership team um, are chosen from, you know, ex-Tequila. We've got ex-Salesforce. We've got, you know, uh, the CEOs, a, a, an entrepreneur, all looking now to, to build what is going to be the next global consultancy platinum partner. And it's, yeah. it's really, really exciting to be in on the ground floor and watch it grow. You're, um, I, honestly, Richard, you know this anyway, you know, we love you, but you're the sort of person that I could just talk to for well, hours. Um, and <laughs> I, I, this may be the first of many with you, if you, if you don't mind, cause you're, you're, you know, you're always great. And, it, and, um, you know, your journey from what, what you've, you know, from before Salesforce to, to where you are now, it's been really good. I'm really pleased that you're so happy. Um, <laughs> and emotional. it sounds... If nothing else, it's definitely been emotional. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, and, and you know, people can look you up and, and you know, I, I know you're quite open to accepting connection requests and stuff like that. So what I'll, um, I'll do at the end of this is probably... Well, people can find you on LinkedIn anyway. You, you're on there, aren't they? But um, I'll, I'll, um, I'll share your LinkedIn with people and stuff like that. But thanks um, for being such a brilliant guest, mate. And as, as I knew you would be. And uh, yeah, it sounds like you, you're in for a, um, a very exciting next few years with, with what you're doing. So I'll, I'm looking forward to keeping in touch with you on that one. Um, but mate, thanks, thanks for a great interview, and um, hope great. to speak to you soon. Um, great. Thanks, Thank mate. you very much. So my thanks there to Richard Ferriman for what I suspect might be the first of quite a few podcasts with him, um, as he's obviously got a lot to, to say about it, his journey. It was brilliant. Um, hopefully you got some some great information there and, and some takeaways for me with that uh, with him were um, 
you know, if you're going on interviews, which no doubt you will be at some point in your career, um, then then do your preparation, dress smart, um, have questions ready on a pad, um, treat the interview as a two-way interview. You know, you're 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 talking to them just as much as they're um, talking and interviewing you. Um, show enthusiasm. I mean, it sounds obvious, but um, obviously that that feedback from Richard there is quite important. I think. Um, also, I think if you're looking to start your your own Salesforce business, then just understand that it's it's hard. It's it, you know, it, up for every company that probably succeeds, God knows how many fail. Um, and as Richard discussed in there, 18 hour days, seven day weeks, it's tough. Um, tough to find good Salesforce talent as well, from what he was saying. Um, not just tough to find them, but tough to keep them, um, especially with all of the opportunities out there in, in, the, in the Salesforce world where it just seems that the grass is always greener somewhere. Um, so, yeah, really, really good interview. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, and uh, I will be sharing on um, online uh, all the details with the, with the uh, show notes and what have you. Um, so keep your eye on for that. Um, of course, please, any comments, if you want to make them, that would be great. And if you could share them with your friends as well, that would be fantastic. Uh, and look forward to, uh, to the next podcast, which will be soon. Thanks very much.